Good morning, listeners, and welcome today's, to today's edition of News from the Drug Warfront, brought to you by Karma and the Connection, uh, Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. News from the Drug Warfront promotes a broad array of services provided by Karma. It also reports on stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and from around the world and promotes discussion and education about the need for different approaches to dealing with the harms caused by problematic drug use in a world of prohibition. Uh-huh. Good morning, Marion. <laughs> Good morning, Dave. I bet you that surprised everybody because they wouldn't have known who you were. This no. is Dave, everybody. David used to be one of the presenters of News from the Drug Royal Front and has withdrawn. Yeah, but I'm back today. About his back today yeah. because, and we'll send a big shout out to Jeffrey. Jeffrey's mother passed last week and we're very sorry to hear about it. And we love you, Jeffrey, if you're listening. And I hope the family is all okay. I'm very sorry to hear about her passing. Mm. But anyway, yeah. look, um, I'll tell you about karma um, before we whip off to a song. Um, karma is a. Uh, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy. That's what its acronym stands for. Um, we think that people who use drugs should be treated with dignity and respect, both as human beings and as consumer of health and social services. Karma works to the, uh, reduce the discrimination and stigma dis- experienced by drug users and, in fact, between drug users, which is something we often don't realise, that we call each other junkies when we're pissed off with each other or just cross Mm. for any version but it is a discriminatory word and that kind of stigma doesn't help no anyway um karma's a a part of the broader alcohol and other drug treatment network although karma while providing treatment it does do um opioid uh, replacement therapies does hepatitis c um, yep. Testing and counselling provides. So that's, yeah, that's um, provided through the Karma Clinic, which is um, as an in-reach service provided yep. by Directions, and it's on Thursdays from ten a.m. to two p.m. And usually operate, and there's a doctor usually it's, from eleven o'clock. Yeah? yeah, that's correct. That's yeah. right. But I mean, it's a terrific place to go to if you don't know what's going on. If you don't go to the bus, or you haven't heard of the Pat bus from Directions, mm-hmm. you haven't been listening to the show much. Um, the bus has its own timetable and directions put that off. We often have it, honest, but I don't have a one in front of me today because I haven't dug into my bag yet. Um, but the bus prov- helps to provide the services with karma so that mm. we are dealing uh, with nursing staff and medical staff who are sensitised to drug users and their issues. So if you right. want to go and have yourself looked at, if you think you're feeling lousy... If you l- can't believe you're so uncomfortable or incredibly slack, it's probably hep C. And you mm. need to think about that seriously. But a scratch test, my dears, these days is all you need. Not a big blood test yeah. to take 10 yards of it, 10 miles, litres of mm. it. Just a scratch test. Yep. And we do point of care testing. That's right. Um, so if you're interested in getting point of care testing for hepatitis C... Then give Come us a ring Karma. on Look. 6253343 and book yourself an appointment. That's right. And I didn't tell you the address, which is 54 Benjamin Way, the Belchon and Churches Centre, Shop 17, Level 1. 
and drop-in hours are 10am to 4pm Monday to Friday. And you can call people, as Dave just said, on 6253 3643 or you can email karma at uh, info at karma.com.org.au, of course. Just before Jeffrey goes, uh, Dave, Jeffrey, oh, slip. Dave goes on to the disclaimer, just um, need you to know that there are many, many services that Karma provides. I'm not going through them all today because we generally talk about them up as they come up. But today, we need to tell you that next Tuesday, in particular because Dave's here and he runs it, That's next right. Tuesday is the Opioid Overdose uh, Awareness and Reduction Program. Training, yep. training anyway, yep. which provides naloxone so that you know how to save a life. The reversal of opioid overdoses can be done by using what we use as a nasal spray or what Dave uses as a nasal spray. But the first Tuesday of every month, it's on at other times as well, but this is at the Early Morning Centre on Northbourne Avenue at 2 p.m. next Tuesday, which is also Melbourne Cup Day, I might add. That's right. So you might need to remember that. Ring Dave or Damo? Uh, ring Just Dave on at six, Karma at on 6253 We absolutely promise that we will have the training finished before the race starts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only a three, four-minute race. You can always yeah. stop and do it in Belém, you mm. know. Yeah, do some okay. pumping or something for three minutes, yeah. some heart pumping. Mm-hmm. But it's a really useful set of training too. I'm just telling you this because it's coming up again. It's not that we haven't told you this before, but please get yourself trained. Even if you haven't been trained, you can get free naloxone from people who, from Karma, you can get it from chemists, Yep. You can get it from the Hepatitis C Council. You can get it from uh, the Needle and Syringe Program That's and right. the Health Bus, yep. the Pat Bus as it goes mm-hmm. around because it's got an instruction pamphlet inside the box That's and right. has two puffs and it's really easy to use and you can save someone's life. And they, they don't know that they've died, by the way. They will not know unless you bring them back. And when you bring them back, you tell them that they've overdosed and they need to sit hang around with you for a while because, so they don't overdose again yeah. and that's it really, can happen it's a wonderful thing to see now that the federal government is providing punters with free naloxone so really can, everywhere yeah it is um that's free great. well it's free in participating pharmacies yep, so yep, they do yep. have to um enter into this pharmacy um programs yeah um, but it's provided free by the federal government. And you think 10 years ago, we were still doing the That's pilot right. program at Karma. Yeah. We were the only place in Australia that and offered And now it's nationally Loxone. available. That's now amazing. Now it's nationally available, even wow. in Darwin. Um, even in so, Darwin. yeah. And the a, back blocks of, of Queensland. From, from little things, big things. Yeah, right. but, uh, well, look, that's... Needle Exchange started the same way, Dave. Yeah. We did mm. again in Canberra. Did the pilot program here, yeah. and boom, and, it and became it was, um, nationwide. Yeah, and it, um, you know, it started off. I mean, the needle, needle and syringe program was far more um, controversial than the Loxone. Absolutely, had its own controversy. Well, there were yeah. always people who were going to object to it and Won't say, well, like, "Well, it gives people permission to to use opioids dangerously." Well, yeah, hello. duh. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, sure, that happens. Mm. Like, 
Anyway, yeah. um, in celebration of last Saturday, where the Drugs of Dependence Act Amendment came Bill into, yeah, came, came into being and came into being. Um, so, small quantities of drugs have been quasi decriminalised yeah. in Canberra. In celebration of that, we're going to play some Peter Tosh.
Okay, that was Peter Tosh with Legalise It. You're listening to news from the Drug Warfront, brought to you by Karma and the Connection here on 98.3 FM People Powered Radio. Yeah, so news from the Drug Warfront reports on news stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world. Many of the articles featured in this program come from other sources, including the mainstream media, and the contents of this news from the Drug Warfront broadcast and podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use, and we don't promote illegal activity. Mm-hmm. However, we do recognise that drug use will happen and will continue to happen regardless of laws and UN conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services and other options, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harm associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. Mm. Dave, on account of Saturday was Decriminalisation Day, yeah. thought we would just explain to people a bit what's going on. You've written a good piece. Thank you. And we'll do that. Um, and also do just the three brief things that are really important for people to remember, apart from the fact that that doesn't mean drug use is legal. No. What was current? Dis- what was currently... What is currently illegal is what was currently illegal. It's just about it being measured and what the punishments are. So I'll start that off. In fact, I'll read the whole bloody lot. Um, Decriminalisation in the ACT, what does this mean? As you may have heard, the ACT's Drugs of Dependence Amendment Act came into effect on Saturday the 28th of October removing criminal criminal penalties for the possession of small quantities of some previously illicit drugs. There's a proviso on that, but Dave might have put it in here anyway. Um, But it's a point that needs to be remembered. For people who get caught with less than 1.5 grams of methamphetamine, MDMA, cocaine, heroin or psilocybin, or one milligrams of LSD may receive a health intervention or a $100 fine instead of being prosecuted and taken through the courts. This fine is referred to as a simple drug offence notice or an SDON. Now, if the police catch you with a quantity of drugs below that threshold, by the way, this will probably be on the website and there's certainly um, on Karma's website and there's certainly a pamphlet at Karma that you can get all this from. So just because I'm reading it to you it doesn't mean you have to listen intently to every word and write it down. There are written, simplified ex- um, expressions of what's going on with the law. 
Anyway, so if the police catch you with a quantity of drugs below this threshold, they will still confiscate your drugs. So they'll take your drugs off you. Don't think that they're going to say, oh, it's only a simple drug offence notice. You can keep that, darling. The police are always known for that, as you know. But you don't get to, so you don't get to keep them. The police will then refer you to the Canberra Health Services for assessment. You can choose to accept the health assessment, and that's that. So if, if you go for this Canberra Health Assessment, they'll tell you all about it. You can go and do that, and then it's finished. Um, if you don't, you choose don't to not accept the health assessment. You receive a hundred dollar fine, and receive but receiving a fine will not affect your criminal record. However, you must pay the fine within sixty days. If yes. you do not then the matter may be taken to court. Now, that doesn't really mean you would be taken to court for possession of drugs. You would be taken to court for, for failure to pay fines. the fine. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the three important points I was going to tell you about. They'll take your drugs, refer you to the Canberra Health Services or CHS to undertake a health assessment, and that finishes your interaction with the police as long as you go to the appointment. Um, if you're found... With the possession of multiple types of drugs, um, if the amount you're found in possession of exceeds the prescribed small quantities, then you may still be subject to criminal prosecution. Supply and trafficking of illicit drugs is still treated as a serious offence in the ACT, and trafficking conditions, uh, convictions sorry, can still carry significant custodial sentences. Um, you can possess multiple drug types and still be eligible for a health diversion or fine as long as none of the drug types in your possession exceed the prescribed small quantity. The total quantity of drugs in your possession doesn't exceed 200% of the small amount. That so sounds a bit instance, confusing. So, for instance, if you have 1.4 grams of methamphetamine, which is a prescribed small quantity, and 1.4 milligrams of cocaine, which is also a small quantity, yeah. because they're not 200% of the small quantity, which of is the three total grams. small quantity. Yeah, yeah. so combined it's 2.8 um, grams, so you're still below that 200% threshold, which is three grams. And now the pamphlet also says that they check the uh, potency or the quantity of the drug. No, they won't be doing that. Well, it does um, say so in that pamphlet. Oh, okay, no. On the middle page, Dave, down the yeah. bottom. You can possess multiple drugs and still be eligible to, for diversion or fine if the amounts of each don't exceed 200%. No, no, that's mis sorry, that's me misreading it. Sorry, yeah. Dave, me misreading it. So, what I thought um, it said was fifty so percent cocaine, fifty percent cocaine yeah. or MDMA, and one hundred percent methamphetamine. Right. That's the two hundred percent. Yeah. Because it's the total amount of drugs, not the quantity of quality of drugs. Yeah. So yeah. they won't be analysing the quality. Yeah. Um, uh, one point six grams of ten percent heroin is the same. One point six grams of a hundred percent heroin. Although I reckon you'd be able so, to argue it, don't you think? If you went to court. And had it because if you yeah. get it taken mm -hmm. to the drug checker, drug testing yeah. place, mm -hmm. and get it tested, and it's only 
Uh, and you, you've been, say, arrested with 2.5 grams of yeah. drugs and, in fact, it's only 10% well, pure. Well, they're confiscate it, so you're not going to get the opportunity to test it. Unless you take, unless you get your lawyer to ask yeah. them to. That's, mm-hmm. That was one of the points I was thinking about, that that yeah. might be an argument. Just look, mm. it's a moot point at the moment. We can't argue it here because yeah. we don't know the details. It just might be interesting to know... Um, if you get busted, and I, yeah. I mean it, it's been ever that way, Dave. That mm-hmm. that you know, normally people get charged with the amount they get busted with, not yeah. the quality yeah, of so the, the drugs. Yeah, the quantity of um, powder or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it yeah, comes the total in, quantity. So. Yeah, no, needless of the quality. Or yeah, or what have you. Yeah. Anyway, look, I'll finish this article. Uh, it's just it just might be interesting to know. You can possess uh, multiple drug types and still be eligible for a health diversion fine as long as none of the drug types, which is what we were talking about just now, in your possession exceed the prescribed small quantity. And the total quantity of drugs in your possession doesn't exceed 200% of the small quality limit. So Karma would like to remind Canberrans that federal drug laws may still be applied and that's discretionary. The police retain the discretion to charge you with possession if they believe the situation merits it and I bet you that's if you badmouth them. Don't tell them to piss off. Don't tell them it's not against the law anymore. Mm -hmm. Just be a human being, a civil human being and you'll be treated with the same respect that they treat anybody else we hope yeah if but generally that's what happens with people if you behave like a human being so will they mm-hmm. uh police retain the discretion to charge you with the possession if yeah if they believe the situation mirrors it that's what i just said it's also important to remember that driving under the influence of some types of drugs is against the law and if you caught can carry heavy fines license suspensions and in the case of repeat offenders, can even involve custodial sentences. ACT police have already publicly indicated that they'll be cracking down on drug driving offences over the next few months. So you can bet your boots if you've got drugs, illicit drugs, and you've got a car, you're in a car, then they will go for it. Mm-hmm. I reckon, just because they will. It should also be noticed noted that other illicit or controlled drugs such as ketamine, GHB, fentanyl still carry the usual criminal penalties. Also, sale of or diversion of controlled medications is still a criminal offence. And that's that's always the case. And the problem with that is if you give some to your mate, you can be charged with supply if they're that's feeling right. really nasty about it. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I've, I know people who you know, have bought a gram or a stick for a mate and they've been charged with supply and it becomes a Supreme Court matter. Yeah. Yeah, which um, well, is really just ir- so irritating, so yeah. unbelievable. And, you know, I mean, possession charges are irritating. I yeah, had a indeed. friend probably about 25 years ago and he was driving through Yass. This was back before there was a bypass. and. Yeah. um and, you know, if you were driving in a car with Canberra Plate for a yes or Goulburn, it was an occupational hazard. The yeah, it's a fundraising activity. Yeah, yeah, fundraising activity. Like Bateman's like Bay. And, um, <laughs> and they searched his car and found one cannabis plant seed. Seed, yeah. And, yeah. you know, he was dragged to court a few months later 
find a hundred dollars, which is a fair bit more then than it is now. Got a yeah. true year good behaviour bond. For got a, a conviction same. recorded oh, and so no. forth. How much money would have that have cost to bring that to court to pay the magistrate Absolutely. to pay the prosecutor? Well, the magistrate would the have been police. touring anyway, yeah. but the whole yeah. thing takes up time, money, and energy. Yeah. I had a mate who was busted in Queensland in Cairns mm-hmm. or. Proserpine yeah. for a half a box of seeds, yeah. and he got six months jail. Mm-hmm. But Queensland's special. Yeah. <laughs> that was 25 years ago too, mm. so he's lucky to get six months up, you know, in North yeah. Queensland, I mm. reckon. But it's just a really bad issue. We might go to a song now yeah, before let's. the news. This is um, Tracy Chapman with For My Lover. Virginia jail for my lover, for my lover. $20,000 bail for my lover, for my lover. And everybody thinks I'm the fool. They don't get any love from you. Things we won't do for love. If I had to risk my life so I could have you, 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 you. Every day I'm psychoanalyzed for my lover, for my lover. Show me up and I tell him lies for my lover, for my lover. Everybody thinks I'm the fool. They don't get. If I had to risk my life so I could have you, 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 follow my heart, leave my head to ponder deep in this love, no man can change. Follow my heart, leave my mind to wonder, is this love worth? Sacrifices I made Two weeks in a Virginia jail For my lover, for my lover $20,000 bail For my lover, for my lover Every day I'm psychoanalyzed For my lover, for my lover Show me up and I tell them lies For my lover, for my lover Everybody thinks I'm the fool They don't get Any love from you Things we won't do for love Climb a mountain if I had to Risk my life so I could have you You, 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 you
That was Tracy Chapman with For My Lover. You're listening to news from the Drug War Front, brought to you by Karma and the Connection on Community Radio 2XX 98.3 FM. Uh, so, what does decriminalisation all mean? So, the decriminalisation of small quantities of some drugs is an important development for people who use drugs in Canberra. By keeping people out of the criminal justice system and encouraging health-seeking, we are empowering our community to enhance their health and well-being and decrease stigma and discrimination. This health-focused approach to drug policy brings us closer to a society where we support people who use drugs rather than punish them. Mm. And on that note, we will head to the news. You're listening to news from the Drug War Front, brought to you by Karma and the Connection, here on People Powered Radio, 2XXFM 98.3. Welcome home, They have Strength to go on. 
Hello, you're listening to News from the Drug War Front, brought to you by Karma and the Connection here on People Powered Radio 2XFM 98.3. And you've just been listening to Rise Against with the strength to go on. Oh, good. So, moving out of Canberra and into New South Wales, this next story comes from Sydney. Mm. Uh, Paul Gregoire in Green Left on the 27th of October 2023. New South Wales Labor looks into whether children should be allowed to be strip-searched. So Redfern Legal Centre, or RLC, has released new figures on October 17, revealing how many children have been strip-searched by New South Wales Police. Using Freedom of Information laws, it found that over two years to last June, 107 people aged from 10 to 17 years old including three girls aged 12 and six girls aged 13, had been subjected to a strip search. The number of girls who have been made to completely disrobe in front of two armed adults over the last 12 months has risen by 30%. Risen by 30%. A day later, (laughs) New South Wales Premier Chris Minns defended the controversial New South Wales police strip search protocols arguing that other states do the same. But territories don't. (laughs) Meanwhile, Tara Moriarty, New South Wales Agriculture Minister, speaking on behalf of the New South Wales Police Minister, told the Legislative Council last week that Yasmin Catley, quote, is planning to meet with key stakeholders in the coming weeks to probe whether the policy settings in place are fit for purpose. Mm. There's there's a bunch of ways of words. We could say no without even asking anybody else. Catley's pledge to investigate New South Wales Police use of strip searches was delivered during a debate over whether subjecting children to strip searches is harmful. Labor MP Cameron Murphy spoke in the debate saying that the current system was broken. The truth is three quarters of all strip searches do not result in any convictions for illegal drugs. The circumstances that could warrant 12-year-olds having to disrobe immediately are obscure and it is difficult to see why police are subjecting kids to a practice said to be akin to sexual assault. Mm. New South Wales Legal Cannabis MLC Jeremy Buckingham called on New South Wales Labor to ban child strip searches for suspected drug possession on October 18. Buckingham pointed to academic research saying that ordering kids to strip may cause long-term harm, that this practice to be employed in special circumstances only had become routine and that a third of all searches don't reach privacy and dignity standards. Quote, the fact that children are being strip-searched on our streets to this, in this day and age is absolutely appalling, Buckingham said, adding that he could only imagine the impact of such treatment on his stepdaughter. Mm. Oh, it's, just, it's a horrifying thought, isn't it? Yeah. But th- this has been with the reality in New South Wales. Despite the Ombudsman in 2006 having criticised the redundancy of using sniffer dogs, police have begun to accompany an unsuccessful pat-down 
following a dog indication with the backup stripped down. Most MPs voted down Buckingham's bill to amend the Law Enforcement Act 2002 to ban youth from being strip-searched in relation to drug, offense, drug possession offences. Greens MLCs, Abigail Boyd, Kate Fairman, Sue, Sue Higginson and Dr Amanda Cohn, along with Animal Justice Party MLC Emma Hurst and Liberal Democrat John Ruddick all supported the bill, remember those names. Mm. Police have been resisting pressure to reform its use of strip searches and the laws surrounding the practice for about a decade. But as recent figures show, reliance on this traumatic and flawed procedure has been growing. A 2019 RLC Commissioned University of Law Faculty Rethinking Strip Searches report outlined that police had increased their use of strip searches 20-fold between 2006 and 2018. Authors Dr uh, Michael Grucock and Dr Vicky Centres found that between 2017 and 2018, 30% of such searches led to charges being laid. 82% of which were for drug possession. This, mean the personal had, this means the person had a small amount of an illicit substance for personal use. Part 4, Division 4 of the Law Enforcement, quote, uh, bracket, Powers and Responsibilities, and bracket, Act 2002, that's LEPRA, as called, contains that pertain, uh, law, contains laws that pertain to the New South Wales Police use of strip searches. Section 31 of the LEPRA reveals that most strip searches are of a dubious nature. If they're not carried out at a police station, the officer must consider that the, quote, seriousness and urgency of the circumstances, end quote, necessitate an immediate search. So they've got to consider that. That's got to be present. Mm. Personal drug possession does not tick this box. The privacy and dignity provisions set out in Section 32, which officers do not comply with in two-thirds of all searches, including no touching of the genital area or breasts, that officers of the same sex must carry out the procedure and that the person must be informed about why the search is necessary. Some rules laid out in Section 33 of the LEPRA include no searching of body cavities or no or touching of the body and that ser the search is done in a private area out of the sight of the public and that people under 18 who are searched must have a parent, guardian or representative present. Section 34 of LEPRA states that no one under the age of 10 can be strip-searched by officers. Hmm. However, under pressure in 2019, police released its person search manual, which revealed that although they don't appear in LEPRA, law enforcement is applying a few extra measures of its own. Oh, the manual, which has since disappeared from the web, set out that officers were allowed to order a person to lift testicles, oh. part buttock cheeks, spread fingers and toes, lift breasts turn their body to face in a different direction and squat. Yep. These me measures were consistently being complained about, particularly the squatting and coughing. Yep. 
Renowned abolitionist Amanda George argued in the 1993 article that strip searches are akin to sexual assault by the state. She was referring to the use on women prisoners in Victoria, but it is a practice that's being used across the country. And New South Wales, yeah, I can tell you they did it to me. Yep. RMIT Criminology and Justice Studies lecturer Dr Peter Malins told Sydney criminal lawyers in 2019 that her research revealed that police use use of strip searches re-traumatises survivors of past sexual assaults mm-hmm. and the procedure has a traumatising effect in general. Indeed. Around the same time as Malins made these remarks, police had just started using strip search screens at Central Station. Commuters indicated by a sniffer dog could be taken behind the barrier and forced to strip off. Despite the mounting opposition, governments and police are rejecting suggestions that strip-searching people to ascertain if they may have a tiny quantity of drugs is not right. Remember when former Coalition Police Minister David Elliott said in 2019, I've got young children and if I thought the police felt that they were at risk of doing something wrong, I'd want them strip-searched. You idiot. Catley's a Labor police minister, but it seems to, when it comes to law enforcement, the differences between the major parties is often close to zero. Yeah, that's really Mm. shocking, isn't it? It is. You you would think that. I mean, that Richard Catley comment is just beyond belief. I bet Mm. you his kids said to them, you're an idiot, Dad. Because I just think that's so offensive, Yeah. strip searching. Mm. And the yeah. squatting and coughing business is just mm. it's rude. And in, in most cases, you know, they're, they're not criminals. They're kids yeah. out after a good time. Yeah. You know, what, um, 82% of the 30% of, um, of Body cases where drugs were actually found, 82% of that were very small personal quantities. Yeah. So um, 6% they find someone who's got a larger quantity. That's crazy. Yeah. Just the well, mm. Yeah, no, they're just absolutely ludicrous. And there's and just no reason for it. Yeah, people who are stopped from getting into festivals and so forth and taken away and strip searched, they're not allowed to return to a festival afterwards. Really? No, they're required to whether go they, home. Whether yeah, they've be been... told if you return to a festival, you'll be placed under arrest. Without even a positive strip search? Without even a positive strip search. That's crazy. Yeah. That is mm. just crazy. No, I mean, that. how can that be a law? Yeah. Mm. Yeah? If a pol- that means if a policeman says you're a bad person, you're a bad person, you can't go to a concert. Mm. Yeah. Bad people can't go to concerts. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm. Anyway, we'll go to a song now. Um, this is the uh, Pixies.
Philippines, Duterte's always... That was uh, Pixies with Gouge Away. You're listening to news from the drug war front, brought to you by Karma and the Connection on people-powered radio, 2XXFM 98.3. So the next story comes to us from Mirage News. A new approach uses stimulants to treat amphetamine use disorder. (laughs) So a new study has... Doesn't that sound strange? Mm. I mean, yeah, okay. They use heroin to treat heroin use disorder. That would Mm. be nice, but they don't. They use opioid replacement therapies. Mm. Yeah, anyway, go on. A new study has found that it may be possible to use stimulants to treat stimulant use disorder. People with amphetamine-type stimulant use disorder who are treated with prescription psychostimulants, such as methylphenidate and dextroamphetamine, which are commonly used to treat ADHD, may lower both their craving and stimulant use, especially if such treatments are administered at high doses. The study was led by Dr Butris Aswad, a researcher at the CHUM Research Centre and Professor of Psychiatry and Addictology at the University of Montreal. Although amphetamine-type stimulant use disorder is a major global health issue, there is no established pharmacotherapy recommendation for its treatment. Now, according to senior author Dr Didier Utris Aswad, not only is there no widely approved pharmacological intervention for ATS use disorder, but the US Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, has just asked for feedback on its new draft guidance for developing treatments for cocaine, methamphetamine and prescription stimulant use disorders. Many countries are looking to improve their approach to support people with such disorders. We hope our research can help guide the next wave of research and recommendations in this field. The study pooled the results of 10 randomised control trials with a total of 561 participants, comparing the treatment of amphetamine-type stimulant use disorder with methylphenidate and dextroamphetamine to placebo. The effects of these drugs on reducing amphetamine use and cravings was modest across the 10 RCTs, but Utrus Aswad and his co-authors found that the effects might increase with higher dosage. Methylphenidate and dextroamphetamine are commonly used to treat ADHD at maximum daily doses of 108 milligrams for methylphenidate and 50 milligrams for dextroamphetamine for adults. This research suggests that people with long-term high-dose exposure to amphetamines may require psychostimulant doses that are higher than the clinical recommendations for ADHD. Preferred treatments by people for ATS use disorders, optimal doses and combination with other non-pharmacological interventions would need to be worked out in future studies. It's an interesting concept though, isn't it? When I went Mm. to England, they were doing an amphetamine replacement therapy program, but the idea was to stop people from injecting Mm. speed. Yeah. Um, So, but yeah, it's just interesting that they're starting again to do a, you know, Mm. treat treat speed with speed. Yeah, yeah, they've been doing these studies for quite some time um, using quite a variety of different stimulants. Most of them are amphetamine types um, or, you know, things like methylphenidate. Um, But certainly I think there's a really big need for it out there. Well, Um, especially if it stops people using ice. 
Yeah. Which is a because I mean, amphetamine, amphetamines generally do mm. not create that environment where yeah. you. Although an overdose of amphetamines will create a psych, you know, a psychotic yeah, episode, like, mm. but because people are sort of self-medicating yeah. with ice, which I think is differently. People are using differently anyway. They're mm. either smoking it or they're injecting it. If they're yeah. injecting it, they're taking great risk and they're injecting it more frequently than it needs mm. to be used Yeah, because yeah. it's a long-acting drug it's meant to be, mm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a fairly long-acting drug. And, um, yeah, I think a lot of this would be around stopping people binging. That yeah. um, ice binging is where a lot of the real problems come from, where people use it for days and days on end and yeah. they don't sleep, they don't eat properly. And they go And it burko. wears their body down yeah. really badly. Uh, and understandably. After a while, yeah, people end up you know, with serotonin Psychotic, syndrome, yeah. um, psychosis. But then many people who are psych-affected already are using ice to mm. self-medicate because yeah. their medications are so ugly. Mm. You know, they're so their major tranquilizers are so restrictive and depressing yeah. mm. um, that that the only way they can get any kind of emotional oomph yeah. is to use an amphetamine-type product. But mm. anyway, I would rather that they did an amphetamine program than an ice program if they're going to replace, look at replacing ice with that. Yeah. yeah. That mm-hmm. wouldn't make sense. And I'm sorry, that was meant to be my bit and I should have done it because it was in purple and I Not forgot. to worry, you can follow on with the next story. Okie dokie. Well, the next one go, we're going overseas, San Francisco wants to be char- wants to charge drug dealers with homicide. Um, but could it lead to more deaths? And we talked about this last week with the fentanyl right. issue because yeah. it's so potent that it was mm. actually um, going through walls or through carpet and so a couple of kids... Babies had overdosed. Mm. That's, but that was a media replace, and yeah. that you know, police put out media stuff to freak people out. Mm. So it'd be. Yeah. But the point was that they were going to charge the guys with murder or attempted murder. Yeah. So those were the people at that um, child uh, care centre. Child care centre in the yep. Bronx. Yeah. And um, yeah, they'd been storing fentanyl there, and the kids had got. Gotten into it, so oh, it they got into it, of, did they? Because um, I didn't you know the article. fentanyl or anything yeah. like that. Um, no, no, yeah. I I thought it must have gone was like osmosis or something had gone through the carpet or something. Yeah, no, that, that's one of the things. So the police actually, in the that's US the point put that, out that yep. um, you know that you can get an overdose simply by. And baby overdose, talk about pulling strings, pulling Mm. heartstrings, babies overdose on fentanyl, Mm. you know, drug dealers, all the heartstrings and then Mm. all the sympathy and the stigmatisation comes up. Those grubby, dirty junkies, murdering people they Mm. are, murdering babies. Anyway, (laughs) that's back to the story. So this is from Sydney Johnson uh, from KQED Radio from the 27th, last Friday. Starting next year, drug dealers in San Francisco could be charged with murder if the opioids they sell lead to overdoses. But some experts say that plan could instead lead to more deaths. Governor, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom and San Francisco Mayor London Breed that sounds like a pseudonym, doesn't it? London Breed. Sounds yeah. like he made yeah, that one up. Yeah, sounds like a clothing like brand, Boris, doesn't yeah. it? Or something like that, yeah. <laughs> Announced Friday morning that law enforcement officials on uh, in California and San Francisco will investigate drug overdose deaths as homicides beginning in 2024. 
The plan aims to deter drug dealing and hold sub- suppliers accountable for overdose deaths. God. But many, pe- uh, many public health and criminal justice advocates are concerned it will instead lead to an increase in the already high number of overdose deaths. They say this latest effort to crack down on drug dealing could further worsen San Francisco's drug overdose crisis by creating more chaotic conditions in the drug trade and deterring people from calling 911 when help is needed. Angela Chan, Assistant Chief Attorney uh, at San Francisco's Public Defender's Office, told KQED, quote, it's more of the same failed policy and regressive war on drugs. Good on Angela. This latest announcement threatened homicide prosecutions but will only further increase, unfortunately, overdose deaths. It's going to stop people from calling 911 and getting an ambulance, getting doctors and help to do this. Uh, People who are overdosing need immediate emergency care and every second matters. Ms Chan observed that it's not uncommon for young people to use drugs with their supplier who could even be a friend or a family member. Breeder Newsom's plan is to combine personnel from the San Francisco uh, Police Department and the San Francisco DA's office, the California Highway Patrol and the California National Guard, to jointly investigate opioid deaths in San Francisco similar to homicide cases and to pursue murder charges against drug dealers what a waste of money, mm. Jeffrey. When they've got thousands yeah. of people dying, mm. they're going to waste all this copper's time, police time. Oh, this is crazy. Anyway, city officials did not exactly did not say exactly when next year the group would begin this work or how many staff would be assigned to it. Mayor London Breed told reporters on Friday, "Quote." We have already been working with these state agencies to deal with the open-air drug dealing that's been happening in San Francisco. We plan to take it a step further. This is impacting the quality of life uh, in San Francisco more than any other drug we've encountered. We must treat the trafficking and sale of fentanyl more severely and people must be put on notice that pushing this drug could lead to homicide charges. So under the plan, the Law Enforcement Task Force would investigate opioid cases as a homicide if there is sufficient evidence from an overdose death scene to trace it to a specific dealer. Medical examiners currently determine what substances are involved in an overdose death and evidence from the scene where a person overdoses could then be used by the DA's office to file murder charges against a supplier. This dramatic dramatic shift to charging some drug dealers with murder comes after Breeden Newsom earlier this year announced that state law enforcement agencies would assist San Francisco in cracking down on drug dealing and drug trafficking. Before that, the state added more than a billion dollars to support the National Guard's efforts to combat fentanyl trafficking. And state law enforcement seized 594% more fentanyl in 2022 compared with 2021, according to Newsom's office. Hmm. Efforts to increase punishments for drug dealers are also escalating locally and nationally. In California, at least two dealers have been convicted of murder charges related to a fentanyl overdose death since last year. 
Breed's plan will have San Francisco follow San Diego and Santa Clara counties, which have already moved to charge some dealers with homicide. London Breed said, We hope the dealers will decide that San Francisco is not the place for them to be dealing. People who are dealing these drugs need to be account- accountable in a way that they haven't been before. Nationwide, just 28 people in the country face drug-induced homicide prosecutions in 2007, but that spiked to nearly 700 people in 2018 based on an analysis of media reports from the Northeastern University School of Law. Fatal drug deaths have increased as well across the country and the Bay Area in recent years. San Francisco is currently on track to have its deadliest year on record for overdose deaths. There have been 619 overdose deaths in the city from January to September, according to data from the Office of the Medical Examiner. San Francisco is projected to have 200 more overdose-related fatalities this year than they did last year. Only 200. I bet Mm. you there's more than that. Gary McCoy, Vice President of Policy and Public Affairs at HealthRight360, which provides drug treatment services in San Francisco, argues argues that, quote, Treating opioid deaths similarly to homicides only serves to stigmatise those battling substance use disorders and can discourage individuals from seeking assistance. Such an an approach also exacerbates cycles of incarceration without achieving the uh, essential objectives of overdose prevention and saving lives in public health. (coughs) Excuse me. The worsening of the city's overdose crisis that occurred in tandem with those changes has experts like Chan deeply concerned about the city's efforts to further move in that direction. Public health and harm reduction advocates (coughs) in San Francisco have for many years been pushing the city to open up more services to address the demand for drugs, like supportive housing, more treatment options and safe consumption sites, where people struggling with addiction or drug use uh, can use drugs in a medically supervised setting and doctors can reverse an overdose. Well, we want everybody to be able to reverse an overdose, don't we? Chan said, quote, They announced publicly policy after policy that is focused on criminalising police-centred approaches rather than public health approaches. We urge the mayor, the governor and other city officials including our DA, to take stock of how much of a failure this approach has been and how harmful it's been in terms of increasing overdose. Yeah. Perfectly sensible, it Mm. seems. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's one of the things in the US because fentanyl is so commonplace there and they have so many people suffering from fatal overdoses proportionally... um, you know, a different order of magnitude to Australia. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're now getting to the stage where they're putting naloxone kits in public transport. And so they should have done that years like ago. Like they have in, you know, defibrillators yep. and things like and, that. And, um, and quite reasonable too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, really, Dave, it's just why they hadn't done that years ago has got mm. me... Totally confused. Yeah. But I was reading a story um, the other day about a dealer in El Paso, Texas, and he was dealing fentanyl, and um, one of his uh, customers 
had an overdose. They were brought back and they survived the overdose. I think they had a couple of days in hospital. Um, but he's now facing 20 years jail for wow. recklessly causing serious injury or something like oh, that. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's a real concern that this is going to have uh, um, a cooling effect on on people treating overdose. You yeah, know, yeah. People and see stop an people overdose, ca- they're just going to think it's not worth the Stop people carrying the lic- you know, naltrexone. Stop yeah. people carrying it, full mm. stop. It's just yeah. crazy. Mm. Anyway. Any, let's um, finish we'll this article. Yeah. So or did the, you do that? No, we oh, did that. We finished that, so yeah. it's time for a song. Oh, um, good, good. So this is the Foo Fighters with times like these.
again It's times like these you give and give again It's times like these you learn to love again It's times like these time and time again Okay. That was the Foo Fighters it with was. times like these. You're listening to People Powered Radio 2XFM 98.3, and this is news from the drug war front with Dave and Marion. Okay, and the next story we're going back to Brazil. We talked a bit about Brazil last week because the uh, decimation of the rainforest is a big issue, and. It has a part to play, of course, in the drug wars, like as if the drug war doesn't affect everything. Here's even more proof. So Brazil's drug war costs favela economies millions. This is by Juliana Manjaras from Insight Crime from the 26th of the 10th, 2023. The war on drugs has caused millions of dollars in losses for the inhabitants of two of the marginalised urban areas known as favelas, most affected by violence in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, according to a recent study. The research carried out by Brazil's Centre for Studies on Security and Citizenship, also known as CSEC, was based um, on 800 questionnaires conducted between 2021 and May 2022, with residents of the Pena and Manguinos neighbourhoods north of Rio de Janeiro and business owners in two of the favelas within those neighbourhoods, Vila Cruzeiro and Mandela de Pedra. The Red Command, or Commando Vavela, CV, the oldest criminal group in Brazil, is present in both favelas. The CV controls the local drug market and... um, exercises social control through expulsions and assassinations of those who do not comply with their rules or demands. The presence of the CV, the Commando Vermelo, has made these favelas the target of police operations, which are notoriously violent and often result in extrajudicial executions and civilians caught in the crossfire. One of the bloodiest episodes occurred in May 2022 when military police led an operation against um, the CV in Villa Cruzero, Cruzero, which left at least 26 dead and led to allegations of torture and executions. So the CSEC study shows how the perpetual war between organised crime and police in the favelas in addition to violence, has an insidious and often hidden impact on favela economies. Losses to residents and commercial establishments amounted to around $3.3 million during the one-year period covered by the study. The greatest economic loss stemmed from the high proportion of people who were unable to work as a result of police actions in their community. More than 60% of employed people had to miss work as a result of these incidents, generating a loss of approximately $1.9 million per year. Paula Napoleau, a research coordinator, told Insight Crime, quote, residents were unable to go to work mainly because of the disruption to public transport services, but also because most avoid going out so as not to be caught in the crossfire. Wow. 
considerable economic impact also resulted from the need to replace or repair property damage in police operations against drug trafficking, which cost around $950,000 annually. In the case of residents, most of the damage occurred to their houses, affecting 10.9% of the residents who were surveyed, followed by damage to vehicles, affecting 3.8% of respondents, and harm to electronic equipment, which affected 1.9%. Losses to commercial properties were significantly lower, amounting to approximately $12,800 per year. Wow, that is low, isn't it, compared with personal yeah. loss? Yeah. Mm. Uh, businesses can probably afford to pay people to protect them. them in yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. Napoleon explained the damage caused to residents' property is higher because we studied two neighbourhoods, whereas when we studied businesses, we only focused on two favelas. The greatest loss to commercial establishment assets was to business structured with the structures with an estimated value of three point eight thousand dollars followed by stolen goods valued at $2,173 and property valued at $1,690. Mm. The supply of uh, public services has been also been disrupted as a result of police accidents. According to the study, electricity services were suspended 1.5 days a year over the period, the internet 1.4 days and garbage collection 1.1 days and water 0.7 days. Although the numbers seem small, the impacts are significant for those who suffered the lack of these services. Residents of the favelas are also suffered from the interruption of other services such as education and health, mainly due to the disruption of public transport services, Napoleon says. Um, that's it. That's that, it. That's it. Finished. Well, that was interesting. That's... Um, mm. Yeah, that's not quite what I expected. And it's so often admit. what happens, though, that, um, you know, you have organised crime gangs and yeah. you have the police and then you have the people who get stuck in the middle end up being the people who get yeah. hurt by all of this. I wonder, I wonder mm. who wrote the 800 questions and what mm. kind of questions they included mm. in it. That would have been a bit more... I guess it was... Well, essentially addressing financial losses as yeah. a result of police actions in the war war on drugs. Yeah, and they did say it was only the favelas and the economics mm. of the loss in favelas. Yeah. Um, I've got a story. Yeah, we have got time to do it from the Philippines. Um, and it's, a, it's actually a review of a book called The Story of the Philippine War on Drugs by Elfren S. Cruz from philstar.com, October the 22nd. Jeffrey brought it in last week for me, but we didn't have time to do it. Patricia Evangelista was a trauma journalist who worked as a field correspondent for Rappler in Manila during the term of Rodrigo Duterte. She describes herself, uh, quote, I was one of the reporters covering the result of the president's pledge to destroy anyone without charge or trial whom he or the police or any number of vigilantes suspected of taking or selling drugs. The volume of Duterte's dead was at times overwhelming, as was covering the powerful, as was covering the powerful in the country where the powerful refused to be held to account. End quote. 
Because of her work, she was able to compile and eventually write her first-hand information about the number of killings resulting from the so-called Philippine drug war. The book, Some People Need, this is quote, Some People Need Killing, A Memoir of Murder in My Country, end quote, published by Random House in 2023. The story of the circumstances that led to her writing the book is itself melodramatic. She wrote, quote, at, time I was investigating a ser- at the time I was investigating a series of killings in the capital, it was slow work. I hunted down witnesses, I culled official reports, I met men who detailed the precise manner in which they killed their own neighbours on orders from above. They sent, then sent interview requests to the police officers they accused. Rappler decided my presence in Manila was a security risk. I agreed. End quote. It was while Evangelista was in self-imposed exile that she signed with the publisher, committing to a first-person account of the Philippine drug war. Sounds intriguing. In the first of three parts, Evangelista gives a political background and a personal story that is a setting for subsequent narratives of the drug war. For me, the most interesting of her stories are her stories of Duterte as mayor of Davao City and the Davao Death Squads, or DDS. The core of the book are the specific stories about the different killings. They were detailed and many times had names. Some narratives were short, while some were long and detailed, but all were powerful accounts. One example Evangelista cited was, quote, In December, five months into the war, another little girl saw her father die. Her name was Christine and she was 14. One day, she said, the cops came looking for Pa. They found her mother instead. The cops called Christina's mother an addict. She was eight months pregnant. They took her away in a white van. When Pa came home, everyone told him to run. Christine's father ran and hid, but came home a few months later to visit his children. Then he told told them that he loved them and it will be a while until he came back again. Wow. The story continues, quote, They heard shouting outside the house. Three guns appeared at the window, the barrels bright in the sunlight. Jeez. The doors burst open. They had Pa kneel on the armchair. All the children except Christine fled. She was there when the policeman shot her father through the back of the head, through the chest, shot him at such close range that the next day her little brother stuck his finger through the hole in the sofa and dug out the bullet. The police said that Pa had fought back. They said he was a drug dealer. They said they had killed Pa in self-defence. It was a long time after Pa died before Christine spoke again. God. The book is impressive because the stories are substantiated by 339 endnotes. In her prologue, Evangelista stresses that these stories are not hers, but those of the victims whose lives she wants to honour. This book was written without ha- with having to pay a high price, for even today the author is haunted by the trauma of all that she has witnessed. I wonder where she's living, Dave. Yeah, I mm. wonder where she had to move to, because yeah. she says she moved out of the country. Mm. Yeah. That, but that would be freaky, wouldn't it? Yeah. Imagine having to leave your, leave your home country mm. because the cops will get you. They'll show yeah. you. Mm. We, we reported on a lot of, um, I don't know if you're listening, but we reported on a lot of what Duterte did. You probably yeah. were there when Jeffrey mm-hmm. was pulling out the, com- and yeah. pulling out half of the stories for him anyway. Mm. 
but he was a nasty piece of work. Yeah, yeah. And they're still going to charge him with what mm. went on before they withdrew from um, the International Legal C- criminal, yeah, criminal Court. Court. Mm. But, um, yeah, he's, the, I reckon, um, what's his name, Marcos, is going yeah, to protect him too. And I yeah. think that was one of the conditions of him getting to be president. Mm-hmm. Um, and his do- Duterte's daughter is vice president. But just yeah. interesting concept. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, it's really worrying what happened in Philippines and the fact that Absolutely. it could so easily happen in other places. That, it, um Look so at, many countries around the world where human Brazil, rights are just Well, it's not, happening in Brazil, isn't it? Yeah. It's sort of happening in the States too in a lot mm. of ways. Yeah. But they don't... Um, you wouldn't know in a lot of the isolated places in the States whether there are sheriffs going around mm. killing people, yeah? yeah. I mean, mm. and being warriors. Duterte's... I think I'll read that book, actually. If Jeffrey doesn't get it, I'll get it. I know Jeffrey yeah. likes getting books, mm. but it just sounds really interesting and just the whole concept of yeah. um, when after six months of, du- of Duterte's presidency, he mm. was bragging about having killed 6,000 people. Yeah. That number didn't increase, increase in all of his term. Mm. Yeah, they only the ever quoted 6,000 yeah. people and yet mm. it was still going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just think that I don't know how many they killed, but it, yeah. six thousand was the minimum in mm. the first six yeah. months. Yeah, I, I gather it ran to tens of thousands. Yeah, you know, they had um, the they didn't have space in the morgues for all the people who were being Isn't killed it, in the Philippines. That's horrible. Yeah. Fancy the president being able to do that. Yeah, feeling was okay to do that. Yeah, and. And having so much public support to do it. Yeah. They, you know, oh, they, oh, they adored him. They love mm, strong leaders. It's yeah. a populist leader thing that was going on around the world, you know, with mm. Boris and yeah. Dodo and mm. Bobo, Bojo and, yeah. and Morrison, you know, this mm. constant thing about populist leaders and they were only good if they were strong. Putin, same thing. Yeah. Strong men, Net shoot Yahoo. everybody that opposes them, don't mm. put up with that. Brook no argument, yeah? Yeah. It's a fair thing. Mm. Excuse me. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Marion. Yeah, well, um, thank you for joining us another, today, David. Um, it's been lovely program. to have you. Yeah. And Are you going to put uh, on another song? We haven't got Golden Brown, have we? No, we haven't got Golden Brown, so we're going to uh, go out with Swing Life Away That's this week. That's fine. Jeffrey, oh, so. look after yourself, darling, and my love to our love to you and look after you. And people... Take care of yourselves and each other, will you? Stay healthy. Yeah. Get tested for hep C and mm-hmm. get some training. Do the overdose awareness training. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see you next week. Speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown Every time Just like the last On her ship 
to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown With golden brown Temptress Through the ages She's heading west From far away Stays for a day Never a frown With a golden brown